Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today's episode of All the Books is sponsored by the Hutton Bothered podcast from Spoke Media. In one of her darkest moments, host Vanessa Zoltan turned to romance novels for comfort and joy. The process of writing her own romance novel changed her life, and now she's encouraging slash insisting her friends write their own romance novels. On Hutton Bothered, they treat romance novels as feminist texts, primarily written by women, for women, and about female pleasure. And they treat writing romance novels as sacred practice. Writing a happy ending is staring at a blank page and creating something hopeful and beautiful. Throughout the series, Vanessa guides her friends through the work of writing their own romance novels. You can join them as they create the gay fairy tale they never had, fall back in love with writing, long for old flames despite their happy marriages, wonder how their first pregnancy will affect their sense of self, and reimagine the love they deserve in the world. You can follow along and write your own romance novel with regular assignments from novelist Julia Quinn. Join the writers of Hot and Bothered in this feminist undertaking and do the radical work of pursuing your desires, reclaiming your stories, and reimagining what you deserve. From Spoke Media and the creators of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, you can listen and subscribe to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 226, and today we are talking about books being released on September 17th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Yay! Hello! Whew, that was a lot of words. (laughs) I'm tired. Okay, we're done. (laughs) Nice talking to you. (laughs) It's been a long day. It was like... I feel like we didn't have many hot days here this year, but today it was very hot, and now it's a million degrees in my office because that's what happens. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, this past week, it was it was very fall-like in that it was, like, back-to-school time for my kid, and I even got to go outside in a sweater one day. But today, for some reason, it just decided to be the middle of August again, and I'm over it. I'm just over it. <laughs> Yeah, it's hot. Cats were like, we're so hot. <laughs> we're so hot. If they didn't keep growing and, like, putting on more weight and Oh, my gosh, they're growing they so, so fast. I can't believe yeah. it. I mean, I thought they were big, but I knew when I took them to the vet last week, and she was like, um, these cats are enormous <laughs> for their age. And not just, like, you know, weight-wise. I mean, they're huge, like, yeah. structurally. So... She was like, we need to uh, change their food. Yeah, everybody, if you don't follow Liberty on Instagram or Twitter already, like, you should, you definitely need to be following Liberty, if (laughs) only for the cat content. It's cute. I remember, I can't think of the name of it. It's probably something super simple, but when I was a kid, there was a children's book that I loved that was about a goldfish. That the the kid got a goldfish and he kept feeding it and it kept growing and growing and he was, like, getting bigger and bigger bowls and then pots and then... Like, he was trying to figure out, like, where he was going to put it. It was, like, too big. It didn't fit in the house anymore. This feels very familiar. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. I'm sure if I Googled it, I would Or we're just going to get a bunch of emails pointing you towards the title. 
Oh, speaking of emails, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I completely forgot to mention this on Backlist last week, but uh, I'm going to do a special AMA show. Uh, so, yeah, if you, well, I mean, MC, you can ask me anything you want but, uh, at any time, but if you out there listening have a question you want to ask me about anything, uh, you can email at allthebooks at bookriot.com, and I'm going to do a special episode where I just answer these questions. Gotten a few. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Woohoo! Um, like anything, anything doesn't have to be book related. Um, you know, I'll I'll answer pretty much anything. So uh, that is all the books at bookriot.com. So now we are going to talk about books out today. But first, would you please tell us about our sponsor? I would love to. I get to tell you all about Dear Haiti, Love Elaine by Micah and Maritza Muli. And uh, this is this is a really exciting book. Uh, you've got a 17-year-old Haitian-American from Miami with way too little life experience. And, and what, what do they have to say about anything? Actually, a lot. Thanks to the incident, Elaine Beauparlant is spending the next two months in Haiti on a, quote, spring volunteer immersion project. It's definitely no vacation. Under the ever-watchful eyes of Tati Estelle and her lean-in queen of a mother, she is on strict orders to finally do things right. But spending her summer hiding out in Haiti turns out to unveil more than she bargained for, including a family curse. You know, typical drama. But nothing Elaine can't handle. Dear Haiti, Love Elaine is a story of heart, heritage, and family that is perfect for fans of Ibi Zaboy, Renee Watson, and Becky Albertalli. This book is out now, and we thank them for sponsoring. All right. So I couldn't decide which book I wanted to talk about first today. So I decided to go in alphabetical order, according to author, which is so unlike me. That's that's but, totally organized. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know which one to start with. So here we go. My first book today is Elevator Pitch by Linwood Barclay. I talked about his book, A Noise Downstairs, last year, which was sort of a whodunit. Uh, a guy who thinks like his typewriter is haunted by the victims of the man that owned it, who was a murderer. And it was kind of like a creepy mystery. It was really fun, and it, it did a complete 180 in the middle, which I enjoyed. This one, Elevator Pitch, is straight-up thriller horror. So I just want to say to listeners out there, if you are afraid of heights, if you are afraid of elevators, enclosed spaces, or live or work somewhere up high where you have to use an elevator, you might want to skip it. Because mm. this is, like... As someone on the blurb, maybe Stephen King, I can't remember. It does for elevators what Jaws did for sharks. <laughs> so you, if if that those things bother you, it's not the book for you. I promise. I um, do encounter more it, elevators in my daily life than I do sharks. <laughs> I think everyone does. Most <laughs> I take that back. Most everyone, um, especially in the middle of the country. But this is a great big page turner. I was like, oh, Linwood Barclay has a new book coming out. I'm excited. And then I got it and I was like, it's really, really big. But it goes so fast and it's sold in several points of view. And there's Barbara, who is a journalist. Uh, she's had quite the career. And right now she's in the middle of a heated 
um, disagreement, not a disagreement, what's the word I want? The mayor hates her guts, I guess I should say. She has it out for the mayor, for Mayor Henley. He's the new mayor of New York City. She thinks he's corrupt. She's exposed a couple of things that he's done. You know, he's really mad. He hates her. Um, and so they're not getting along. And he, she, everywhere that he goes, because she's a journalist, um, there has been an elevator accident at the very beginning of the book. And she knows one of the victims. And he's going to the building to, like, you know, say this is terrible and, you know, you know, press... It's a press um, opportunity for him. Uh, and so, on top of that, there has been a body found on the High Line. There are two cops that go to look at, at look at that, <laughs> look at it, to go investigate that. Um, they, and, um, like I said, this is, this is a horror novel. So, this body has been, uh, let's just say, changed beyond recognition. Um, for uh, many things have been removed so that they can't tell who it is. Uh, this cop, the main cop that is that is um, investigating this, he has his own problems going on. He's having all these anxiety attacks. We don't know why, but we're going to get an idea later. Um, and then there's another elevator accident, and now the city is is going wild. Like uh, all the people who work on elevators are like, "This isn't us. We didn't do this," you know, because a lot of elevator repairmen are. Um, being charged with, like, or be, like being uh, accused of not doing their jobs, and everyone's trying to point the finger at who it could be. Plus, some of the victims of these elevator accidents conveniently had other problems going on in their lives. Uh, conveniently for you know the the mayor and the people who are placing blame, so it could be like something to do with them. And but it's not going to be. And like I said, horror novel. So people in this book are going to get mangled and smushed. Like, there's, there's no other good way to say it. Um, and, like, that should have been the subtitle? What's that? Mangled and smushed. Yeah, basically. Um, and so, it's, there's so much going on. Um, I think it would make a really fun movie or a TV show, um, like a horror movie. But I just really enjoyed it. It's a great time if you want to take your mind off things, except... Uh, elevators. If you use the elevator, you don't want to read this. So it is called Elevator Pitch, and it is by Linwood Barclay. All right, uh, my first pick today is uh, it's it's the heaviest of my picks, so I just wanted to get that over with. It's called Breathe: A Letter to My Sons, and it's by Imani Perry. Imani Perry teaches at Princeton University in African-American studies, law and public affairs, and in gender and sexuality studies. And I was honestly surprised to learn that she does not also teach creative writing because this book reads like poetry. It's ostensibly, as as the subtitle says, a, a letter to her two sons. And it definitely is that. Uh, you'll find her recollections from when they were babies and stories of herself as a child. But this is definitely more than just a family history or personal correspondence. It's also a window into an experience that is so often objectified, even by allies. Um, You've got this, uh, the very opening of the book, starts right off saying that she gets she gets the question about how like how difficult must it be to raise black boys in America and she jumps off from there say, sharing her 
response to that question and how she feels about that question. And reading this is like shutting up and listening to this person who, as she puts it, is neither Ariel nor Caliban and refuses to submit herself to reductive rubbernecking. And I am also just blown away by how viscerally she expresses the simultaneous feelings of love and helplessness that parents can feel, especially parents of Black children, and even relatively privileged Black parents, as, as she acknowledges she is. And, you know, she's a Princeton University professor. Um, and and this is very particular. This is very specific. It, it's about the experience of of black parents, uh, but she's she's very intersectional still, and it's it's a it's a really great book. <laughs> it's pretty short, but it's intense and beautiful, and no summary is going to do it justice. It's just I feel like it's one of those books that really deserves to be sat with and then frequently revisited. It's Breathe, A Letter to My Sons by Imani Perry. All right. I have zero segue for that. (laughs) Because my next book is, well, what I really want to call it is Kittens in Space. I'm sold. Yeah, it's Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez. And it's so good. It's so fun. So much fun. Uh, If you're looking for something that is just going to delight your pants off, this is it. It's about Captain Eva Innocente. She is the captain of the La Sarina Negra. It is a cargo ship. And I'm just going to stop here and say all those things that you hear about cargo ships, like those stories... You know, and Firefly comparisons. It's going to, you know, it's like Found Family, Motley Crue, you know, Renegades. Uh, it's all true. Like, all those all those things fit this, but it's better. This book is so much fun. Plus, aliens. There are aliens. Some of the crew members are aliens. Um, one has tattoos that he can change. Uh, one has scales. A couple of the crew members have robot parts. It's really awesome. So Eva is the captain of the ship. She used to work for a not-great guy named Tito, um, who used to work for her father, who is a criminal. Uh, she's not. She doesn't have a great relationship with her dad. We know at the beginning that some really bad stuff went down, uh, something to do with something that her father did. Uh, and now she doesn't talk to him. She's She got out of that business, and she's trying to put it behind her, but it haunts her. Uh, so we know that. We don't know what it is. But at the beginning... The book opens with them trying to capture a bunch of kittens who have gotten loose in the ship. Which is adorable, right? It's adorable. And then she mentions that, like, this is the fourth time these kittens have gotten loose. And you're thinking, like, um, how did they not secure them enough that this is the fourth time they've gotten out? And then you find out that they are psychic kittens and they perform hypnosis on the crew members and get them to open the door. Oh my gosh. They can do it with their mind. Ah. That's telekinesis, Kyle. So it's so (laughs) adorable. Like, she's, like, trying to find them all again and, like, like not look at them because the kittens are like, you know, look into my eyes. Uh, So they're supposed to be transporting these, and when they got the assignment, they didn't know that they were psychic kittens. So um, it's adorable. So that's fun. But then she gets this this message 
um, from this organization called The Fridge. They are like the big bad of the universe. They have kidnapped her sister. And they're called The Fridge because they kidnap people and then they cryo-freeze them until they get as much money as they possibly can out of their family or get them to do whatever it is that they want. So they call Eva and they say, we have your sister. Now, she hasn't talked to her sister in a long time. They kind of have had a falling out as well, but she realizes, like, this is my sister. I have to do what I can. Because she kind of just wants to be like, I'm going to go off with my kittens and whatever. Uh, So they say, you know, you can't tell a single person about this. You know, we'll find out if you do, but we're going to call you and we're going to have a job for you and, you know, await our instructions. So she, she decides, like, yes, like, her, her crew is her family, but she's not going to tell them what's going on. Uh, and so she's sad, so they stop at this planet, uh, and she goes to a bar to drown her sorrows. But unfortunately, uh, a very entitled alien attempts to uh, coerce her into his harem. And by coerce, I guess I mean demand that she join his harem. Uh, so she shuts him down, uh, you know, with a couple of boots to the face. And it turns out that he is like an alien emperor of a giant galaxy, and now he is going to, you know, go to the ends of the universe to get even with her because they take off. Um, and so she's got that going on first. Now, like, her sister has been cryo-frozen, uh, she's got psychic kittens, and an alien emperor who is really mad at her. So, and she can't tell her crew. Like, she doesn't want to tell her crew about what's going on with her sister, but, you know, they know her. They've lived with her. They can tell that something is wrong. Uh, but she does eventually get contacted by the fridge. They want her to pick someone up and take him somewhere else. And it sounds easy, but nothing is ever easy. You know, so that's where I'm going to stop telling you about the plot there. Um, it's just this amazing, diverse space adventure. Uh, and the cover, I will say, is the cutest little cartoon cover with little floating kittens wearing space helmets. Um, which might lead you to think that this is for children. It is not. It is not for children. <laughs> for starters, uh, Eva swears like a sailor. Um, she also uses a lot of Spanish in her dialogue. I mean, is she awesome. is like a space sailor. Yeah, exactly. She's a space pirate. So, well, not a pirate, I guess, sailor. She was a pirate. Um, so, she uses a lot of Spanish in her dialogue, which, if you don't speak Spanish, like I do not speak Spanish, uh, you can understand most of what she's saying from context, but you can also Google and learn things, and that's awesome, too. Um, it's just, it's so great. I hope that we get a lot more of this crew and their adventures, or at least, like, a spinoff with the Psychic Kittens. Um, that's pretty awesome. So, I'll stop there. It's Chilling Effect, and it's by Valerie Valdez. And I loved it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now I'm kind of wishing that I had done Elevator Pitch second, because then I could segue into other things that are slowly going down. Our next brother is Third Love. Uh, with more than 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, Third Love designed bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and a premium feel. I myself wear them, buy them. Um, you know, I try to tell you, be as honest as possible. This is another product that I've spent my own money on because I enjoy them so much. They're so comfortable, and it's just, at the end of the day, you're not dying to get your bra off. It's just, it's great. Um, And then, like, I use the old ones and, like, wear them to bed, and it doesn't even feel like I have them on. It's great. Um, You know, in case you need to get up in the middle of the night for whatever reason and, you know, answer the door or something. (laughs) Um, But I just, I, I really enjoy them, and there's no tags. They have, like, tagless labels, and the straps don't slip, and they hold things in. You know, it's not like... 
moving around all the time. You're not like tucking stuff in. So it is definitely the most comfortable bra I have ever owned. And actually, you know, until I started wearing the bras, I had never, I could never say that about anything that I had ever owned. Um, so they are lightweight and they have super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape. So they, you know, hold, like they remember you, I guess is, I guess really is what it's saying. Memory foam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mine have some scary memories. Oh my gosh. Uh, but, and that is a proprietary to third love. Like they're the only ones who do that. And all other best, bras get amnesia. <laughs> best of all, every customer has 60 days to wear the bra, wash it, put it to the test, do whatever it is that they do with it. And then if you don't love it, you can return it and third love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. And they know that there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering all the books listeners 15% off your first order. You go to thirdlove.com slash books to find your perfect, 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 perfect fitting bra. I get so excited. Uh, and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash books for 15% off today. And we thank them for sponsoring. That's so great that you can like snip the tags off. Oh, well, I mean, there aren't tag tags, but you can buy it and use it and wash it and still have the option of returning it. Yeah. Like when you buy bras in stores, it's like you, you cut the tags off and it's yours, whether it works for you or not. Yep. Ugh. It's true. But I haven't had to return one, so. Woohoo. All right. Um, if you are, are not just like sold, done. I don't need to hear any more of this podcast now that I've heard all about how amazing bras are and you are still with us to hear about books. I've got another pick for you. It is a graphic novel and it is called Bloodlust and Bonnets. It's by Emily McGovern and you may be familiar with her work in the form of My Life as a Background Slytherin which is this webcomic which affectionately skewers everyday life at Hogwarts. And if you haven't seen it, you really should check it out. But do so on a day when you have no looming deadlines, because once you click over to it, that's all you're going to be doing until you read through every single strip. They're just hilarious and charming, and I love Emily McGovern's style, it's pretty minimalist line work, but so efficiently expressive. There's a lot more detail in Bloodlust and Bonnets. Uh, the layouts have more variety and a whole lot more color, which is done here by artist Rebecca Rarely. But the whole thing is still recognizably Emily McGovern. And that's just visually speaking. This which is her first graphic novel, is very much in the vein of her webcomic in that it has a bookish inspiration with loads of absurdity, queerness, and the supernatural thrown in. Instead of wizards, this has got a trio of vampire hunters. One of them is Lucy, a debutante who is searching for a vampire who once told her she had potential. Another is the poet Lord Byron, who here is a foppish hot mess with a psychic eagle named Napoleon. I, I don't know if, if you know, but that's actual historical fact right there. And the third is Sham, whose answer to the question, are you a boy or a girl, is yes. 
Uh, Sir Walter Scott is a minor character, and there's a funny rivalry between him and Byron. And for our listeners who are just as obsessed with DuckTales as I am, I'll just mention that Walter Scott gives off major Flintheart Glomgold energy. It's amazing. Uh, So go read Bloodlust and Bonnets by Emily McGovern. All right. (laughs) So um, I I was trying to find my mute button because I had muted the conversation because I was trying to look something up because you reminded me. Like, this is very exciting when you're a reader. Um, The very first advanced reading copy that I received was when my mother worked at a bookstore. Uh, She gave me a book called Lord of the Dead, The Secret History of Byron by Tom Holland. (laughs) And it was about how Lord Byron was a vampire. The world's most notable vampire. (laughs) But it was just, it was so, was it 1996? I don't know. It was something like that. It was so exciting for me. She was like, here's a book. It's not out yet. And you're like, what? Yeah, she's like, but you can keep it. I'm I'm holding it in my hands? I'm like, they just give these to you? That was my first experience (laughs) with advanced reading copies. And it was so exciting. And I I wish I still had it. I think I got rid of it a couple years ago. But now I wish that I had had held on to it. I can't talk today. I wish that I had held on to it. Aww. Um, You know, I didn't know back then that I would... Memories. I miss it. Yeah. I I don't think it's in print anymore. Um, and I would be lying if I said it was really good. Sorry, Tom Holland. <laughs> um, so anyway, moving on to books that are really good. My next pick is a tough one, but a good one. It's Opioid Indiana by Brian Allen Carr. So right off the bat, I was like, I, I love this book. I'm like, do I want to talk about it on the show? Just like the word opioid is such a hard thing to hear with everything that's going on. But then I realized like, When people don't talk about these things, it's not helping anyone. So, of course, you want to say these things, you know, and bring light to it. Um, And it's, like I said, it's a difficult novel in subject matter, but it is an amazing one. It's about a 17-year-old named Riggle. He lives in rural Indiana um, in a town that he doesn't want to name, so he calls it Opioid Indiana because there is a severe uh, drug problem there, as there is in many parts of the country. He lives with his uncle, who has a substance abuse problem. He... Uh, does meth all the time, and his uncle's girlfriend lives there. Her name is Peggy. Riggle has the hots for her and just doesn't know how to deal with these feelings. Um, He did used to live in Texas. He lived in Texas near the border, uh, but his parents died, and so he was sent to live with his uncle. Um, And it was a bit of a culture shock for him going from near the border to, you know, Indiana. Uh, And he also got to see snow for the first time. So in the book, he has been suspended uh, for a week uh, for for reasons, and his goal this week while he's suspended is to find his uncle because his uncle has disappeared with their rent money, and they're all going to get kicked out if he doesn't find him. So the book is told from Riggle's point of view, which means that it is told from the point of view of a poor 17-year-old boy who has been through a lot, and he talks like one. Uh, he he talks a lot about race and racism and his ideas of girls and the world in general. And, you know, he's actually quite um, sympathetic for for a teenager, as you or you would think. I mean, I don't have any teenagers, so I don't know. But um, his ideas of the world are a bit skewed, but he has a good heart and he thinks, 
you know, good, good thoughts about things as opposed to a lot of, like, what is going on in the world right now. Um, and he has the best intentions. Uh, and, you know, Brian Allen Carr actually based him on the teens that he met while he was teaching high school in Indiana, and also he, he's lived in Texas. Um, and so he's based them on, like, kids that he knows. And so it's a sad book because, you know, it's about poverty and... Um, drug abuse and but it's like it's so real it's like a very important novel for this time right now that we are in um you know Riggle it had a mom that left him uh you know she she used to tell him stories about how the days of the week got their names like using shadow puppets and these stories are told like within the novel um but his dad died in a car accident and his mom just she couldn't get uh, past her grief, unfortunately, and and he loses her as well. Um, so, like I said, he goes to live with his uncle. Now, I am a huge fan of Brian Allen Carr. Like everything that he does, you know, flat out. Like I will just say that um, there are just those authors that you read. I mean, there are like a million amazing authors, but there's a couple that just like really speak to your soul. And for me, that is Brian Allen Carr. Um, he wrote Sip, which I talked about a couple years ago, which was about this like post-apocalyptic world where people could get high sipping other people's shadows. He wrote the book Mother Effing Sharks that I talked about many years ago that I absolutely love. Um, there, there, you know, his other stuff is all crazy, wild, like, violent, awesome fantasy stuff. This is his first, like, really real novel, but it's the most alarming and scary of all because of that. Uh, it's like if when you have a tooth pulled or you have a toothache and you press it with your tongue, like, that feeling right there is, like, what it's like to read this book the whole time. Um, it's, it's like Catcher in the Rye if Holden wasn't privileged and he thought he was woke. Um, you know, Brian Allen Carr has delivered a really eye-opening novel about abuse and poverty and substance problems, and it's not one that should be ignored. So it is called Opioid Indiana, and it's by Brian Allen Carr. Um, that's, that's really something. I, I really like books where you've got uh, a YA protagonist, but it's not necessarily YA. Mm-hmm. There's there's just, you know, a, a lot of times that's not necessarily done in a way that that feels like it's a real teen that you're reading about. But that unfortunately sounds so much like what a lot of people are, are going through. And a lot of those people are children. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's an adult novel, but... I think it would be great for teens to read it. I mean, know. we we had a, a thing on, on Book Ride a while ago about how people are just tired of being assigned catcher in the rye in high school and and that's a that's a great description that, that this is like catcher in the rye if if the protagonist isn't as privileged as Holden Caulfield. All right. My my next pick is a collection of short stories. And um, it is called The Heart and Other Viscera by Felix J. Palma. And, and this, is, this is the first I've read of him, but he's, he's actually pretty prolific. Uh, he's done the Map of Time trilogy, and, and that was his first book published in the United States. And uh, he's a, a Spanish author, and and this is this collection of short stories really makes me 
want to go there and and visit his uh, visit his back catalog of stuff because I really really enjoyed this collection. Sometimes I find short story collections to be a little uneven, um, but this was consistently entertaining and just I oh. I, I loved it. You've got a whole bunch of stories that at at first glance seem like slice of life short stories, but there is always some detail or twist that that gives the story an element of fantasy or even horror. Um, they're they can be whimsical yet disturbing. There are twists that quietly shock you. They're lyrical and touching, and no two are the same, uh, but I enjoyed them all. I I can't necessarily offer a, a summary of this because they are a bunch of short stories, um, but but my, my favorite one was, uh, was probably the story of uh, an office worker who, who visits his grandfather a lot. His grandfather has a model train set. And one day his, his grandfather shows him that he's made a little, a little model version of this, this protagonist and placed him on, on the train. And since that moment, every time the protagonist closes his eyes, uh, whether it's just to rest his eyes for a little bit at his boring job or whether it's to go to sleep at night. He feels as if he is on the train. He, he is experiencing what it's like to travel through this landscape of his grandfather's model train set. And that turns out to have some wonderful consequences and some terrifying consequences. And I'm not going to say any more than that. Um, but you should definitely pick up this collection of short stories. It's called The Heart and Other Viscera by Felix J. Palma. Okay, before I tell you about my last book, I just want to point this out because I think it's important. There is a new Tea Dragon Society book out <gasps> today. Oh my gosh! I, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, uh. I, I, I didn't get a galley, so I haven't read it. So it's very sad, but I am going to buy it. It's called... The Tea Dragon Festival. So if you haven't read... I cannot talk today. If you haven't read The Tea Dragon Society book by Katie O'Neill, I highly recommend you run out and do that. Oh, so good. And now you have a second one, so... It's like... I thought that was worth mentioning. Oh, it's like queer Pokemon. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know Pokemon at all. No, I mean that it's like you've got these adorable little creatures that... And you can collect them all. It's just... (laughs) <laughs> it's so good. I love the Tea Dragon Society. Oh, me too. I cannot wait to get this. So, my last book is amazing, and I know everyone is excited about it. And they should be, because it's amazing, as I just said two seconds ago. <laughs> it is Red at the Bone yes. by Jacqueline Woodson. She is the National Book Award winning author of Brown Girl Dreaming and Another Brooklyn and many other amazing things. Um, this is a very slim novel by... It will knock you right down. It's so good. It starts in 2001. It's a young girl named Melody. 
She is about to turn 16. She's living in her grandparents' brownstone, and they're having a coming-of-age ceremony, which is like a thing that they do. Um, they get The girls get a fancy dress, and there's an orchestra playing Prince, and it's all very exciting. Uh, the dress that she is wearing is actually her mother's, her mother Iris, uh, who did not get to wear it because she was too pregnant by the time she turned 16. Um, and so she never got to wear this dress. And so it kind of goes back and forth in time uh, about the decisions that people have made, about her parents, about her grandparents. We learned about Iris's pregnancy when she was pregnant with Melody and the difficulty that she had with the idea of motherhood. You know, she was kind of raised, Melody was kind of raised by her grandparents. Um, she has a very contentious relationship with Melody now. She refers to her as Iris, not as mom. And it discusses the poverty of her grandfather's childhood. Um, of course, racism every which way that they turn. As an African-American family, you know, they experience it all the time. Um, especially some very horrifying uh, episodes. Um, it's Like I said, it's a very slim book, but it packs a punch. Um, and there's, like, you know, real talk about sex and consequences and love and regret. And it's done in these, like, beautiful chunks, I want to say. Like, these, these paragraphs. Um, and I will say, the dialogue is in italics, like, within these, these paragraphs. And it did slow me up a little bit, because sometimes I was like, I don't... Okay, who's talking? Okay, I know who's talking now. But that's not a bad thing. I mean, reading slow is not a bad thing at all. Um, and, and in my case, probably better for me sometimes. <laughs> um, it's just, it's so beautiful. So again, it is called Red at the Bone, and it's by Jacqueline Woodson. I love the cover, too. It's one of my favorite covers of so these fall releases. It's just... Uh, okay. My last pick, I honestly picked up in the first place because I love Murder, She Wrote. And the title is Monster, She Wrote, The Women Who Pioneered Horror and Speculative Fiction. It's by Lisa Kroger and Melanie R. Anderson. And this was such a delightful, delightful book. It's exactly what it says it is in the title. It's got tons of brief biographies of great women writers organized more or less chronologically from Mary Shelley to Helen Oyemi. And there's a lot of stuff in here that I as a professional reader, already knew, but there are a lot of surprises. Like, I've read three Edith Warden novels, but I had no idea that she wrote short ghost stories. Not not stories about diminutive ghosts, you know what I mean. Um, and if you like Book Riot, you'll like this. For one, it's about books in a super approachable conversational but still challenging way and at the end of each entry there's a section offering reading recommendations and they are books and stories by the profiled authors but also other works from across time and space that are read-alikes for the works of the profiled authors and and horror isn't necessarily my thing but I'm just tearing through these literary biographies and thinking, maybe horror is my thing? Anyway, I've, I've got those Edith Warden short stories on my to-be-read list, and 
dozens more stories and novels that I want to get to now because because this book just just sold me on all of them. Um, and and it's like uh, if you've ever spent a night hopping from Wikipedia entry to Wikipedia entry, just like reading a bunch of summaries of things, uh, that that's what this felt like because because you're just you're just devouring entry after entry and and they're all related placed within the the context of of the time that that uh produced these these writers and their works and it's it's just so it's so entertaining and these authors are college professors and I'm extremely jealous of the students who get to be in their classes this fall uh, but but reading this is is basically a, a syllabus unto itself of these amazing women writers, and uh, you can devour it all at once, like I did, like going on one of those long Wikipedia entry marathons when you're just curious about something, which leads to another thing, which leads to another thing. Or you can just dip in and out of it if you are especially drawn to gothic literature. Just focus on that section. Um, if and and if there's just an author you are curious to see, like oh, I wonder if, if this author I really love is profiled in here. Flip through this book. It's it's so much so much fun. Um, it's called Monster She Wrote: The Women Who Pioneered Horror and Speculative Fiction. It's by Lisa Kroger and Melanie R. Anderson. All right, so those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Well, like I, I feel like I just I have to uh, get to those those Edith Warden ghost stories because I I'm just like really, really, um, and and I gotta I gotta find those. A lot of those are in the public domain, so I'm just gonna be doing some like Project Gutenberg uh, searching. Um, but yeah, and then after that, I'm just going to start going down my list of, of stuff from, from this book. Cause, cause especially with, with fall and October around the corner, I, I think I, I am in more of a spooky mood than I otherwise would be. What about you? Well, we also have a new horror newsletter. Ah, I know, I know. Um, and it's, it's got the perfect name. Like we we are really good at naming things here at Book Riot, but um, I really enjoyed this one. Yes, it's called the Fright Stuff, and I think it starts uh, October first. Does that sound right? October something sounds definitely yeah. right. Sure. Okay, we'll <laughs> I myself am going to read Weather by Jenny Offel, <sighs> which is so exciting. I'm so, I'm so I excited mean, for you. Yeah, she's so fantastic. Um, she wrote The Department of Speculation, and this was supposed to be out um, this year, I think, but it got delayed, so it was like, oh, oh. Uh, so this is very exciting. And um, I, I don't even really know what it's about, honestly. Uh, I, and I lost but she's, she's one of those writers, though, that even if you are given no information yeah. about the book, like, you're going to read it. Oh, okay, so it says, okay, I found the thing. I, I uh, moved the page because I was looking for Lord Byron the Vampire. Um, a, it says, Lizzie Benson slid into her job as a librarian without a traditional degree. 
And this gives her a vantage point from which to practice her other calling. She is a fake shrink. Uh, she answers letters for a famous uh, podcaster um, and from, from left-wingers worried about climate change and right-wingers worried about the decline of Western civilization. And as she dives into this polarized world, she begins to wonder what it means to keep tending your own garden once you've seen the flames beyond its walls. It just sounds amazing. <laughs> amazing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. So that, that is our show for today. Lots of great stuff and great sponsors. Thank you to the Hot and Bothered podcast from Spoke Media. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you to Dear Haiti, Love Elaine by Maika and Maritza Molit. That is available now wherever books are sold. And thank you to Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books and get 15% off your first order. You can drop us a line. You can ask me anything at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find Maria Christina on Twitter at Meowie Christina. It's M-E-O-W-Y-C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. I pretty much hang out on Instagram these days at Franzen Comes Alive. I feel like it's a good po- time to point out again that it is Franzen Comes Alive because it is a play on Frampton Comes Alive and not because I love Jonathan Franzen. Um, like, in case you heard that he was in the news last week. Um, yeah. You can also, if you want to give us a treat, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. We always say that every week, but basically it's like, we just need to get back to reading. <laughs> um, you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading!